1: SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. And welcome back to another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Podcast AAC edition. My name is Dan Morrison. That's Emily Van Buskirk. How are you doing today, Emily?
0: I'm doing better than I was yesterday, Dan.
1: Wow. I mean, you're actually recording from your office today instead of. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's some... gonna be really
0: fun when people hear like all of the errands that they yeah yesterday was a mobile podcast so that was you got to experience a little bit of what a monday mm-hmm. or tuesday that was
1: tuesday was it? yeah it was, tuesday, was tuesday yeah
0: <laughs> it's like in the life of me but yeah well, today i'm back
1: no i mean this time of year in sports writing is like the most hectic time of year it's in panic. my opinion it's like everything's going at once if you do yeah. that like I've been and then you
0: add in the holidays and then you mm-hmm. add in people trying to have weddings right now. It's like, come on.
1: It's so yeah. much going on at once. There's no free time. Yeah. Yeah. You know and like, I mean, I don't really talk about much. I started a new job, like yeah. a full-time writing thing, so that's starting to pick up with how much is expected of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good because before this I was doing all freelance, which I love doing, but it's inconsistent. It's,
0: it's really inconsistent, and I understand that. I'm still still trying to find that full time. So, congrats to you because that's not easy to find. Mm-hmm. Proud of you. I know. I wish I had like a.
1: Yeah, the like white a- man caught himself a break.
0: I wish I had like a clock track. I could have done like a cheering. That's okay. Yeah.
1: We'll see if uh, Taylor can add it. In like
0: yeah. That. Taylor, it doesn't sound. All
1: <laughs> no, um, it's good. You know what I mean? <sighs> it doesn't interfere with any of my stuff over here or any of the other places I write. It gives me that. For- so I'm happy with that, but it Stability, is. Stability. It's nice. Yeah. But it is expectations. In yeah. Ex- it's more normal. work.
0: but exactly.
1: it's- And like I said, it's still sports writing. So it's still in this like, world that's yeah. constantly busy this time of year mm. especially when I care about the playoff even though I shouldn't yeah. I I care about the coaching care so because I find it interesting I care about conference realignment it's all going off at once right now let alone well, the and we have season.
0: conference championship races and bowl game eligibility looking ahead to all the bowl games I was like I'm not gonna go to any bowl games this year I'm taking a break and then I've already applied for like three so it's
1: yeah know <laughs> yeah, like Eric Shipped. and I talked about doing the Fenway Bowl so I'm You know, looking at headed to that.
0: We're going to go. Kim and I just decided to do the Army Navy at MetLife. Okay. Really excited for that. Have
1: you ever done it before?
0: No, I've been to MetLife Stadium. Actually, maybe I have not. No, I have not.
1: Nope. Nothing. So,
0: yeah. And I'm excited. I mean, Army Navy's been on my bucket list for years and years. years. It's such a classic game. So,
1: yeah, that's like the can't miss game of that week. It's the same day as the Heisman ceremony, isn't it? What? I'm pretty sure it's always the same. No, the 12th. I'm pretty sure an Army, Navy, and Heisman are the same day.
0: Don't say that because I go to the Heisman every year.
1: So I'm pretty sure they're the same (sighs) day. Like it's like a noon thing, Shoot. Army Navy, then at night, Heisman. Yeah. Do
0: you think I could go to both?
1: So if it's at MetLife, that means it's basically in New York, it's Jersey, mm-hmm. technically. So you could do Army Navy is a quick game. They Are we going to,
0: am I, I going to pull double duty and you do two iconic things in one day? You could
1: probably get to both in oh one day. Oh my
0: God. You guys better follow along. This is going to be wild. I decided <laughs> this week, talking about conference championships, I'm going to do the Pac 12 championship on Friday, December third at Allegiant stadium in Vegas. Okay.
1: So that's gonna be fun. Because the,
0: the pac 12 has been so wild I have to see it out. Like I have to see how it ends. Uh, I mean, so I'm gonna go yeah. I'm gonna go to that gonna be and then at this
1: point. Is Oregon clutched yet?
0: I think this I don't spot. think any I don't think anyone Who I,
1: think Utah, I think it's
0: Utah I think is gonna be Oregon and
1: Utah play this week, don't they? Uh, I'm pretty sure Oregon and Utah play this week. and Oregon plays Oregon State. So I'm figuring they're going to lose. I should figure this
0: out because I'm going on a Utah podcast tonight. So I should probably <laughs> know this. All right. We've got Oregon at, yeah, number three, Oregon at number 23, Utah. That is, okay. So everybody <laughs> wants to talk shit about Oregon. That's fine. You Love can it. do that. This is the real test because playing at Rice Eccles, I'm telling you, is one That's of the hardest atmosphere. places to play. Yeah.
1: No, the Pac-12's got some good Ooh. atmospheres in it when they're on, like Rice Eccles, Outson. I really like Husky Stadium when it's good. The Rose Bowl's like yeah. the worst because it's always empty. It
0: didn't used to be though. I'm telling you, I used to go to games there back when Miles Jack, I mentioned him already in the last mm-hmm. podcast, but I'm gonna do it again. Just keep um, mentioning him. Yeah, Miles Jack, until I, sure. I die. Back when he was there, there was a lot, it was different. There were, a lot, I mean, I'm not gonna say it was full for just a random
1: well, yeah. well, I mean, game, but <laughs> the Coliseum now versus like when Leonard and Bush yeah, were there. It's yes. possible that those places can be great, but even, but even
0: back played. when, um, Toby Gerhardt was on Stanford and Tovita Pritchard beat USC, even like 2007, it was still.
1: Yeah, well, like a, still, that would still be Carroll. It wasn't like yeah removed from that. That's true. You know, it's been Let's like see. a decade now of disappointment from them.
0: I don't know that if Oregon, both Oregon and Utah need one win to clinch their respective division titles. If both the Ducks and Utes win their divisions, they'll meet on in Vegas. So mm-hmm. I think that's the most likely scenario because you look at, that The Oregon-Utah game aside, um, or um Utah plays Colorado as their other game, which is a win, you know? Colorado's still rebuilding. Yeah, And then Oregon Oregon after Utah. Oregon State, will, right? Yeah, the Civil War. I mean, see, that's at home, though. They get Wait, it at I home. I thought
1: we weren't calling it the Civil War anymore, no, the call, Cup or whatever.
0: I'm calling it – it's, it's always been called the Civil War. I don't – I can't help it. That's what it is. But I you're know, right. I We're know. not supposed to. They
1: changed um, so, the name. Come on now.
0: Unless Oregon State and Jonathan Jonathan Smith pull something out of their hat, which is possible.
1: I mean, they beat them last year.
0: They, yeah, it's possible. But most likely we'll see Oregon-Utah in that Friday night at Allegiant Stadium in Vegas, which is awesome. 5 Vegas, p.m. Yeah. kick.
1: Is that like- – so? going forward, the games in Vegas? Because it should be. I think, I think that, that The yeah. game in like Santa Clara, a couple of years ago oh, it's was terrible. terrible.
0: I'm still not sold on, on having it at a pro stadium in general. I honestly think for the Pac-12, it should go back to the team with the best record gets to host it. That's I know what that's do the AAC. Yeah, I, I love that because it's just better for the conference. But check this. So I'll go to the game Friday, 5 p.m. kick. I'm going to attempt to catch a 1230 or 1245 red eye to Indy that night and I'll be doing the Big Ten Championship the next day.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so going to be a
0: wild weekend.
1: Like what I was saying just a couple minutes ago, like this is the busiest time of year yeah. for people in, who it's do crazy. this. It's yeah. crazy. It's
0: too much. So anyways, yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's a lot about the future that we don't know,
1: but that's all December. But, that's all yeah. December. We're let's, only mid November. We're in so November. Yeah. Let's focus on this week. <laughs> <about> week 12. <laughs> yeah. Week 12 in the AAC. We got one Friday game, five Saturday games. It's a full slate. I'm excited for it. No bye weeks. Yeah. Uh, the very, our, the Friday game might be the most interesting game this week. Uh, second most interesting. I take that back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, that's Memphis at Houston. And I think seeing how Houston. Reacts going into this last stretch of the year. They've already clinched a spot in the uh, conference championship game. So they don't really need to win, but you need to win if you're trying to do two things. If you're in first off, carry momentum into the conference championship game. And Got second it. off, if you beat Cincinnati, I know UTSA and San Diego State are ahead of Houston right now in the college football player rankings. If you beat Cincinnati, you're going to jump both of them because of the quality of that win and you're mm-hmm. going to a New Year six game. Mm-hmm. you know that's just a i don't i don't see a world where UTSA stays ahead of them in that scenario and i definitely don't think San Diego state does with a loss you know mm-hmm. so i think if you're Houston you need to keep that focus and not say we got to this point where we're going to go to the conference championship game you need to go and finish the deal you got to think
0: bigger you have to yeah, think exactly. like yeah you totally. can't you
1: can't coast to business memphis is a team that is an offense that's good enough to punish you if you come out coasting in the first half no. you know they do they can score points still
0: they can, but I just, I don't know that they will.
1: And it's not at the Liberty Bowl. It's at Houston's uh, TDECU. So like- I know. I'm just proud. I know it. Uh, <laughs> I thought the second I said the name of the stadium, you started laughing. <laughs>
0: no, I, I said it. because I was got laughing. got smoked turkey not, legs
1: there and everything.
0: Not at your pronunciation or your knowledge of it. I was laughing at the fact that you're saying it because last week we, you said the same thing about Memphis winning at the Liberty Bowl.
1: Well, they didn't. this is the reverse. I'm doing the inverse here. They're away from the Liberty Bowl, therefore they will lose. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and watch them win because you said. that.
1: <laughs> I don't care. Like I've, at this point, I'm just—I have no idea what. We're just Memphis here. Is. We're
0: just here for it. Memphis
1: yeah. needs a win, Dad. Though they're five and five, they need to get to bowl eligibility this year. Because while everyone I think was willing to accept this would be a step back year with bringing in a new quarterback, bringing in a lot of new players on the team, mm-hmm. the idea that you miss a bowl game entirely is a pretty extreme step back. That's not nine and three to like seven and five. That's you know. I mean, I can't quite remember what the record was in 2020 with the weird shortened season, but you know, it, that goes from like top two or three team in the conference to middle to bottom tier yeah. team in the conference. If you're missing a bowl, and that's not something you can abide by if you're Memphis because. I don't think people realize how important making a bowl game is, even if it's a really minor one, cause you get two or three extra weeks of practice. Yeah. That's huge for teams, especially young teams are rebuilding teams who need that time to get those reps in and to yeah. build chemistry. Like, you know, it's a major loss for a school like Tulane to lose that practice time. It's amazing because they're not going to a bowl game, you know, same for like Temple or USF who are trying to rebuild things here. They're losing two potential weeks of practice because they can't get to six ones yet. Not that they were ever going to this year.
0: Although I think for Temple and Tulane, it might be a blessing in disguise to
1: kind of just end the season, just end
0: the season, reset, take some time, figure out what this really
1: means. Yes and no, but you know what I mean?
0: yeah no i i think for the most part you're right but i think in those cases it doesn't matter the two weeks are not gonna matter for this mm-hmm. situation because mm-hmm. it's just
1: i'll say this also for memphis mm-hmm. they do play houston this week and they're you know i'm not gonna give away my pick just ship i think they're probably <laughs> falling to five and six you know what i mean mm-hmm. and but they play Tulane. uh next Saturday so they're probably fine to be six and six at mm-hmm. this point but six and six still just feels super disappointing and then you need to win your bowl game to get to a winning record <clears throat> on the year and that's, mm-hmm. that's a tough position to be in frankly yeah it's not great you know that's it's not it doesn't look good for Ryan Silverfield after the success of the last two coaches is I guess what I'll say it's not yeah. by no means does it do anything extreme in that scenario but it's it definitely puts doubt in people's mind about you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That type of regression, even if there's reasonable causes to it, such as, you know, turnover on, your skills positions turn you know playing a lot of freshmen you know things like that the same reason why you know some UCF fans are concerned oh Gus lost four games this year even if there's a <laughs> lot of injuries that like explain it away you know it's still nobody
0: should that. be concerned about that if like that to me is no, just like know, you're being you,
1: a ridiculous fan if you're doing that but people do do that is my they point. do they need to stop I'm just saying Memphis can't allow doubt to be sowed in them. I'd also be concerned if I was Memphis, I've had no rushing game all this season. And Seth Hennigan, who has been one, who's been a very nice surprise this year. No one thought he was even going to be the starter. Like go, go back. Everyone thought Grant Gannell, the Arizona transfer, yeah. was going to be the starter. And he had oh an God. injury and Hennigan came in and absolutely took the job and said, it's mine. You know I forgot I mean? about
0: Grant Ganell That's crazy.
1: You know, so like Hennigan's got a lot, a good future. But this defense for Houston's full of great athletes. They're going to pass rush incredibly well, like they have all season. And they've got Marcus Jones in the secondary who is going. I'm just assuming at this point, he'll just be blanketing Calvin Austin. That'll be a really fun match. Hey, you, you
0: stole my thunder. The one thing I wanted to say about this game, oh. the one thing, Ooh. if I could get a word in, is that That's I was excited for Calvin Austin Jr. versus nice. Marcus Jones. My bad. That's it. That is the only real thing that I care about watching in this game. And I want to see it all all game, all day, those two going at each other. Two of the best players in college football, in my opinion. I think Marcus Jones is the best special teams returner I've seen. So I'm excited just for that matchup alone. And that's. That was all I had for
1: that. So, would you like to keep going? Just to that's it. You're allowed to just like flip me off on this recording and just (laughs) like quiet. No, No, that was. I know I talked too much.
0: That was literally. I don't even take notes, (laughs) as you know. But that I wrote that down because I was like, this is something I'm so excited (laughs) for.
1: Yeah, I'll reverse that for you. Who won? Memphis can cover Dal for Houston, is I don't (laughs) think they've got anyone who's going to be up to the talent, up to it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I don't know. That that is a good question. I don't. I mean, I guess if I had to say, I don't know. I don't know. Like I said,
1: I think the the answer uh, might be that they just don't have anyone who's quite up to that. And I think, yeah, because of that type of matchup issue, where Houston has someone who can take away Memphis's best player, but Memphis can't do that in the reverse. I think Mm -hmm. that's the real difference in this game. Anyways, I'm picking Houston. How about you?
0: Uh, Yeah, I'm going to pick Houston. All right. I don't want to get too fancy here. I don't really, in reality, think Houston. I mean, I don't think Memphis can win it. Um, no. Do I think it has the potential to be a little bit of a wild ride? I yeah. think Memphis yeah. could <laughs> score
1: some points. Again, like I said, their offense is explosive. It's not. <clears throat> yeah. The run, I've said a lot. The running game isn't what we're used to, but their passing mm-hmm. game is still good there.
0: And uh, I do have an answer for who's going to cover Dell Quindell Johnson. That would be oh, my Johnson?
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Anyways, I, I was struggling. I was like trying to remember his name for a second, and that's who I came up with. So, yeah. all right, we both got Houston. Sweet.
1: Yeah. All right, so we're gonna turn our attention to the noon game on Saturday. Mm-hmm. It's the University of South Florida Bulls at the Tulane Green Wave. Mm. I'm gonna let you go first, Miss Tulane.
0: Why? <laughs> Is this just gonna happen every time Tulane? Mm-hmm. Plays? We've got
1: them twice more. Twice more this year. I can't.
0: I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what to say about this kind of game. Normally, I would say because it's home, okay, I'm going to give Tulane an advantage. But I think we've proven in the AAC that home field advantage is is rare. There's Tulane, only certain Tulane teams has that proven
1: have. they have no interest in it.
0: <laughs> that's exactly. That is fair. Um, oh God. Um, I know. I have. That's for to check into one of my flights. One of my five flights that I'm trying to catch. Um, <laughs> I I don't know. Do I think USF is going to maybe beat Tulane? Yeah, I do.
1: I kind of expect them to.
0: That is such a bummer thing to say at this point.
1: Because no, Tulane's the look- better team. Tulane should be the Yeah, team. They, they're
0: sh- the more talented team.
1: Tulane, 100%. yeah, Tulane's the better-rounded team. They're... You know, tons of experience on the coaching staff, mm-hmm. and that's not. To they knock, have good that's players. Not to like, knock USF coaching staff, yeah, but Tulane's got course. more experience on their staff. You know what I mean? They have like, better tight
0: ends. They have, I think, their offensive line for as as much as they've been getting run through this year. There are some. There's some talent. Corey Dublin, I think, is going to be an NFL well, lineman.
1: Yeah, and we, you know, we've <laughs> talked about Pratt's issues, but this, this is someone who was a freshman phenom for the conference last year mm-hmm. and who didn't. Who can't mm. help himself from forcing the ball and trying to do too much with it this year? I think. And that, I
0: don't get it because at what point do you not learn?
1: Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I blame him or if I blame Chip Long, to be honest, in the changeover on that staff, offensive staff. Yeah,
0: we we talked about.
1: And like, I don't. I know, like, if you were to ask him, he wouldn't blame Chip Long because who mm. would? You know, what person would throw their coach under the bus like that? It's not a good look, right? But, You know, there's clearly something that didn't mesh well going from Will Hall Mm -hmm. to this, to Chip Long's offense. And, you know, is it Pratt's inability or is it the way he's being coached that's changed? And I think that's that's something that you need to look at and say, big picture, is it the player? Is it the coaching staff? Because there was a change there. You know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah. But again, like I said on the last show, Chip Long is a proven commodity as an offensive coordinator, as someone who can get the most out of a team, even if it, you know, comes at the expense of relationships with his players sometimes, you know?
0: Yeah. And like I, here's I said, how I feel.
1: He's a divisive figure amongst play, players, is, like I said.
0: Yeah, and you're. I think you're right. I feel that Tulane, with all their struggles and their issue scoring, is going to suffer because USF has played tough teams mm-hmm. well. And yeah. they ha- they have found ways to put points on the board against teams that they have no business really doing that with. So they,
1: they put a lot of points on Houston.
0: Yeah. So I think this is going to be a really another rough day for Tulane. And honestly, Here's the thing though,
1: go ahead, you finish.
0: I don't know. I don't know how many more of these they can take before. Um, like I don't know what's going to happen because we talk about Willie Fritz. Like he's a great coach. Yes. But at, at what point, if you finish one in eleven?
1: Like, I think I think you have to go big picture on what Tulane is historically, though. He brought them to three straight bowl games, including back to back bowl wins that had never happened at Tulane ever. Right. You know what I mean? So I
0: like the guy. I think he's gutsy. I think he's a great not, coach.
1: It's just not an easy place to win. And this is, I mean, don't get me wrong, by far the worst season of his entire career going right. back to like Sam Houston State. You know but I mean, my
0: issue is he's making no adjustments. I have seen nothing week to week that is different or trying to solve the problem. He's just doing the same thing.
1: Like I said, it's possible that we can't tell exactly what the problem is. We've got guesses. I think most right. people who follow Tulane closer than we do, like Tulane experts, have guesses right now. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't know what the issue is in the locker room there. Because they're, you know, if you look at it on paper, you can't find the issue. You know a I mean? rational
0: person, though, looks at a problem, and if you can't figure out the root of it, you do something to try and force the hand of what it's not. Or, and I have not seen him do any of those things. That's my if, issue.
1: Or what if he's found the root of the problem, knows what it is, and says, like, hey, but we're one, in eight, we're one in eight, one in nine. What's the point of doing anything about right this very second with things like recruiting mattering a lot right now before signing day in a month? Why don't we wait until the off season to fix the problem? And that's again me heavily winking at what if it's a coordinator.
0: I. In, and then, in this, this is
1: my guess. Like I said, in this, this college is,
0: football landscape, with all of the decisions being making being made. Um,
1: no <laughs> being making is correct.
0: even no, not even a word.
1: It, uh, being made
0: it. like on a dime. I find that very. Disconcerting that he would Overthink this so heavily that he's not Going to act at all no action I don't know is in action
1: that, that's True but like I guess what I'm saying is like, I don't like it I don't know exactly what The issue is you know my theory that Chip Long yeah. is divisive yeah. though Should be more successful than this Based yeah. on his track record uh they also have a new defense coordinator whose name I'm blanking on right now because I didn't think to write it down. But like, there's different things. I don't it's think the it's truth. the
0: defense because the defense sometimes the defense plays started. Okay.
1: The defense, the first half this year was awful, but they've come around a lot. You know what They I mean? have,
0: yeah, they have played well enough for him. Chris Hampton.
1: Chris Hampton, yeah. So here's my other, and that, that type of really bad first half and good second half is something you might expect of a first year coordinator, new system and all that is there's an mm-hmm. adjustment period. Mm-hmm. The offense hasn't started clicking outside of the Oklahoma game really. And even then there was a bunch of turnovers. Yeah. You saw that one live. Yeah. Uh,
0: it didn't it's look right, game. and that's what – it just doesn't – the Tulane oh. team that I know, and I know them pretty well. I, mm-hmm. I followed them very closely the last two years. I've become close with coaches and players. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you right now, it doesn't look right. And I could come up with some things that I would try and do differently to maybe shake things up and, and shake you love, off. Yeah,
1: like you, you want to rely on the Titans a lot more than they well, do right now. I would love no, to I'm, see
0: more. When they do those two tight end packages, the right. they do well. That's just a fact.
1: Yeah, and rely probably isn't the right word there, but like, use more. Just
0: right. Yeah, you know. I would uh, take some things that have been working and and honestly, but, it starts with Pratt. So how, again, if you gonna, don't yeah crack he's, he's down on the Pratt. Talent.
1: He's got the talent. He needs to be carefuler with the football. This is a game that they should score points in though because USF has its own issues on defense. Yeah, they do. You know, I mean, the USF. A lot of their fans are not happy with their defense coordinator, uh, Glenn Spencer. Right. I'm not crazy. Glenn Spencer. I'm sticking <laughs> with it. It's my story I'm sticking with. I'm terrible Let's at assistant see. coaches, to be honest, unless I like <laughs> yeah, Spencer, them for a while. Like, okay, good. I know the USF assistant coaches then because it's a Charlie Weiss Jr. on offense. Yep, yep, yep. Charlie Weiss Jr. Two for two Jr. on the Bulls. Uh, the defense, though, I know a lot of their fans are not happy with the job he's been doing because while the offense is showing flashes and growth, the defense can be playing hard, but they're not showing that they're getting any better there. So, right. again, Tulane should that's the operative word, doing a lot of work, should be able to score in USF. Uh, USF should be able to score in Tulane. So in that regard, it might be a fun game to watch because both of these teams should be able to score and make it fun like that. I'm not necessarily Mm. an important game for the conference, not necessarily a particularly interesting game in a lot of respects because, you know, of where the two teams are at this year. But could it be a fun one to watch? Of course, a lot of times games- I'm not going to watch it. I might watch it. I think I will watch it. I I can't. Part of it. A lot of times with the ESPN plus games too, I really like that ESPN plus keeps them on for like a month after. So I (laughs) go back. So you can rewatch them. Well, like legitimately if I'm bored, like on Tuesday morning, I can go and watch his games or like something like that. And that's, you know, it's a nice, you won't be
0: doing that anymore with the new job. I'll tell you that.
1: Uh, No more. I work from home. So.
0: You're going to be too busy to rewatch football.
1: Uh, I hope. I hope not
0: (laughs) (laughs) well all right who are you gonna pick
1: Uh, USF
0: yeah I I honestly have to go USF too yeah I can't believe I even talked about
1: Tulane yeah Tulane burnt me last week with that it's almost an extra point it was a field goal but it was extra point deep you know what I mean so you know I'm not going to stick Oop. my hand in the fire twice. Yeah,
0: good for you. That is uh, that is called learning and doing things differently. Yes, that is what we
1: like to see. All right, moving, learning on, your to our, moving on to our 330 kicks. We've got two of them. I'm going to start with ECU at Navy. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start with this one because I think we can talk about a little bit less than the other one. Okay. Uh, also on FBS schedules where I get my list of games from, <laughs> it came up first. So there you go. <laughs> um yeah so you a bowl eligible e c u at navy mm-hmm. coming off a of bye week. I'm very interested first off, I haven't seen any medical reports out from Navy about Ty Lavate uh mm-hmm. his health. He left the Notre Dame game in a sling when your quarterback's in a sling, it usually means he's done for an extended period of time. It's never mm-hmm. a good sign uh he had been hit pretty hard on the play that he left with an injury on, and uh yeah, so I'm expecting Xavier Arline to get the start because I'm assuming Lavate is going to be too hurt to run the triple, which is unfortunate because he had really gotten that offense going in a way it hadn't the first few weeks when Arline, who, again, I really like his athletic ability, but his ability to run the offense and read for the pitches has not quite gotten there yet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Athletic ability there, yes. You know, So that makes me think that the Navy – Offense isn't going to click the way it has the past few weeks where we've seen them show that improvement and growth that we've liked. On the other hand, ECU's weakness on defense is their run defense. It's the front seven. They're a lot better than a lot of people expected this year, but still the weakness. You know, Navy's not going to be throwing into that secondary, which is the strength of secondary. So that's an interesting clash in what ECU is good at versus what Navy's trying to do. Uh, Flip it around. What are we talking about on offense for ECU? Colton, I was actually I was $100. I just want to <laughs> see again let's not throw an interception that's what we're looking for this Yeah, week.
0: I would like to it's see it's a clean that. game.
1: This, it's a clean game. Yeah. You know, Diego Figo, the linebacker for Navy, is an all-conference linebacker. He's gonna need to have a huge game because if you know ECU starts running the ball well. That, mm-hmm. that opens up which
0: which they did and I love that they they've got the freshman running backs mm-hmm. duo
1: there yeah they Peyton got Mitchell lot.
0: and Rajai Raji Harris
1: yeah they're very good yeah. uh so it's going to be really on if go to clean that up up the middle especially and make uh Ehlers throw but the thing is ECU's wide receivers are going to be faster than maybe secondary it's just you know It's Like I've said before, it's just Navy recruits a different type of human being than other school in the conference, which, you know, without trying to be insulting at all, it means they're slower and less athletic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, well, most people who go to ECU say frankly, couldn't get into Navy. And even if they could, most who could wouldn't want to because right. of the requirements that come with it.
0: Yeah. It's, you know,
1: and it just it limits your pool who you can recruit from. And I think that athletic difference is going to be huge in this.
0: Yeah, I agree. Honestly, ECU, how can you not root for this team? Hearing Mike Houston talk about the locker room after, you know, this, this bowl eligible win. And then he, what really got my heart is that he was talking about how many close calls there were. And he said, when we lost the South Carolina game, I said, I pray that doesn't cost Hmm. us a bowl game. And it didn't. So I love Mike Houston, but for me,
1: several more games too.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. And he said that he said just so many close calls all year, Um, but it's tilted in their favor. The interesting thing about this matchup is they've met um, eight times in the program history and only once as ECU won. Mm -hmm. And so they're looking to snap a 10, a decade long um, loss streak to Navy, which is interesting. And I think that's get coupled with their recent success and their you know excitement everything is just going to be more momentum than navy looking to just add you know a, a conference win yeah. to improve it, their conference record you know yeah
1: especially like i said if Lavate's is out which i think he will be but i've right. got no written evidence that he is in front of me yeah uh, i think
0: even if he isn't it's not uh, it's like just said, not enough
1: he, he's their best bet because he can run right. the offense well and that that offense that drains the clock and you know limits possessions and that's when you know that's how navy wins a lot of games against more athletic teams than them but i don't think that they're going to be able to do it this week
0: yeah i'm gonna go <clears throat> Navy,
1: which is tough to win but i'm going east to you too yeah right now navy's playing for the army navy game
0: yeah and and I honestly think the Pirates, like they're a team I would watch out for. So I'm excited. I, that's actually a game I'll probably watch just because I I become you know, I little a little bit of an ECU yeah. fan. though. So.
1: Yeah, I like both those programs. Uh, yeah. The other three thirty game is, I think, a little bit more interesting, don't you? SMU at Cincinnati.
0: Yeah, I think it's a lot more interesting. <laughs> all eyes on Cincinnati all the time.
1: So it is, and. Here's the thing is SMU should be ranked right now, in my opinion. You know, I mean if this if you change the middle A for a C, they'd be ranked right now with only two losses. They'd be looked at the same way like N C State is looked at, for instance. But they're not they're widely ignored as you know, what I mean, oh, it's another two loss AAC team, they must be terrible, which mm-hmm. I hate the logic that comes with that, but it's not uncommon logic. Yeah. Oh, they lost to Memphis, therefore they're terrible this year, even though Memphis, like we've said, has a lot of good athletes and is incredibly difficult to beat at home. Yeah. Oh, they to did you, you lose to this year. Oh, Houston. Houston's mm-hmm. Houston's excellent. Like, oh, yes. they're only twenty third. Well, they really should be more like 12th frankly yeah
0: i know yeah you
1: know what i mean but the, like the fact we, that they're all artifici- is ridiculous it's artificially created low and this is one of my issues with the playoff as a whole and why i don't think cincinnati is going to get into it is because they've designed it in a way where if ohio state wins out ohio states to get two more top 10 wins at least you know mm-hmm. what i mean with michigan and michigan state if cincinnati wins out they're going to get maybe a top 25 win with houston Right. And, and once he, Cincinnati beats them, they'll fall out of the top 25. And I'll be like, eh, well, they're not even ranked now. It's the mm-hmm. final rankings that now ma- that matter. And like, right. And it just, when one group is doing all this, they're artificially creating slow rankings so that some team's strength and schedules are hurt. That bothers me. And this is a whole tangent from the game itself right now. And I know that. But like, mm-hmm. my point mm-hmm. is SMU should be a ranked team for this game. SMU's offense is explosive. But I, if I'm SMU, I'm a little bit afraid that – about two things. First off, under Sunny Dykes, they've never won a big game. They just haven't. You know, yeah. last time they played Cincinnati last season, Cincinnati absolutely boat raced them in Dallas. Yeah. Uh, and two, the way SMU is designed kind of plays to Cincinnati's strengths on defense. Mm-hmm. They want to throw the ball, and frankly, Cincinnati's secondary is elite. It's, you know, full of NFL players mm-hmm. uh, to prevent this from becoming a major issue. Assuming it has to run the ball like they did against UCF. And that was really the first time in a long time they've been able to do that and find that balance with running the ball this season because of various injuries and things like that. So do I think they can replicate that? Cincinnati's rush defense isn't perfect, but right. I'm a little nervous that they out them being able to. Plus, you know, the pass rush for, Cincinnati with my J. Sanders is very good. SMU's good at avoiding sacks, but still it throws off the timing to have someone in your face like that. And then you flip it around and reverse it and it makes you, what do you think of that like Ritter throwing into the secondary? So I'm not still talking.
0: <laughs> I just let you go until you feel like you, you've tired yourself out to be honest. No,
1: I've tired myself out.
0: Okay. Uh, well then I'll step in here and say, I'm not from a football standpoint because I feel like you could sit here and try and talk about what's going to happen on the field all day long. And if they show up and do what they're supposed to do, then it will be what it'll be. But this is what I'll say is the intangible um, in this game, because I had written down SMU as my original pick, but I read a story about this being, this is senior day for, for Cincinnati. They have an abnormal amount of seniors on this team.
1: I think something like 33, a lot of guys and are I, using that bonus year of eligible. Right.
0: And so you've got a, a bunch of guys that, and I will tell you when I saw Cincinnati play, they are a little bit chippy. They're very emotional. Mm-hmm. They play that way. So you've got take that and couple it with their last home game ever, especially for Desmond Ritter, because he will, this is his last home game. Um, I think that at home at Nippert on senior day, the last home game that the all of these guys are going to play, there's no way SMU beats them. Yeah, there's just not. I don't care what you match up on yeah. the football field and what stats you throw at me, what players you throw at me, I'm not taking it. I'm taking. I, I'm not a big Cincinnati believer, but I do believe in senior games. You know, last games that they play, yeah. guys get emotional, they play out of their minds. No shot they lose this game.
1: I agree with everything you just said there, and it is. I think it's a whole interesting conversation. It's probably an off season conversation with, with the thirty-three seniors. This team that like a lot of them used next year and came back to you know, guys mm-hmm. who could have gone to the NFL but came back to do something special this year, which they're at ranked fifth right now, they're undeniably doing something special, even if we get frustrated with how it looks sometimes right. or how close they let some teams stay with them. They are doing something <clears throat> special. That's something we shouldn't take away from them at all. But yeah, you know, what I mean
0: yeah. And Ritter, I mean, he's it's he's a, he's looking at records, right? Yeah. I mean, he threw his Ethan, program yeah. record, 79th career touchdown last week. He moved past um Gino, I can't ever say his name. The, he's their um past game coordinator. Um he was, and he's been he the nation's
1: the, like a decade or so ago, right? He was the
0: Uh, It doesn't say what year he was there, but yeah, he, it was a while ago. He's, he's their quarterbacks coach and passing game coordinator now. And so it's kind of bittersweet for Ritter to move past him, but now Ritter's the nation's winningest quarterback with a 41, five career record as a starter. And he's the third FBS quarterback with 42 career wins. um, If he gets that win on Saturday. So, I mean, that's huge. I'm not going to sit here and say Desmond Ritter is not a good player. He's clearly a good player. I sometimes question his leadership. I sometimes question his decision-making, of course. I don't
1: necessarily question his leadership. I question his ability to throw down field more than anything.
0: (laughs) Either way, it's very clear that Saturday is going to be an emotional day for most of the team, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and especially Ritter. So now there is always the question, can those emotions come out in a bad way? I don't. In this kind of situation, I don't think so. And mm-hmm. having seen them play the way they play, there's just no shot. He, he's gonna. They're gonna go out and just wreck him for mm-hmm. a back, lack of better term.
1: Yeah, like I, I like I said, SMU's got a lot of great talent, and they should be a ranked mm-hmm. team right now. But their inability to win big games makes it impossible yeah. for me to pick them in a spot like this because this is a big, huge game.
0: And I've never seen them play with the kind of energy that I've seen Cincinnati play with. I will say that for Luke Fickle. Like he gets, Luke Fickle gets those guys pumped up and they do play with a lot of energy, so...
1: Yeah, Sonny I mean, Dykes
0: is not that guy. He's just par, not. I
1: mean, part of that also might be the crowds they play at. You know, Nippert's mm-hmm. an insane environment it's to go insane. into.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Ford Stadium there, it's pretty quiet usually. Like even on mm-hmm. a good day, it's a quieter stadium. And I mean that not as an insult, just as a fact. It's just how
0: I mean? it is. Yeah. Well, but Cincinnati I mean? has struggled at Nippert. Like this year alone, we saw some games I'm like the Navy the game. game yeah well no the
1: navy game was at navy
0: it was at navy you're right i'm sorry ucf um temple was, what was the other one temple no there was not,
1: tulsa it was just tulsa that was, was tulsa still. yeah
0: that was yeah. it so it is possible to to come in and, and give them a, a tough game at home but i'm just saying nipper coupled with with senior day just no shot so i'm going cincinnati yeah.
1: Yeah, so am I. Since Cincinnati is going to win this game. I think that's, yeah. I don't know what it's going to look like necessarily. I think. Right. I
0: don't know if it's going to be a clean win, but I think
1: it'll be. I don't think beating SMU needs to be a clean win the way beating Tulane or USF should right. be cleaner wins or Navy should be a clean win because this is a very talented, good team. Yeah. Like, it's okay if they push you a little bit. Like, being pushed isn't a bad thing when you're playing a good team. It's just when you're trying to make the playoff or when you think you have a shot at the playoff, like, you need to. You need to be loud and make sure people can't ignore you, which, you know, it is what it is for right now. Yeah. Uh, like I, like we talked about a little bit last time, I, you know, by our nature, we're very playoff centric as like a media, like sports in general, college football in general. We do need to make it, hey, winning the conference championships, is the accomplishment you should be striving for and whatever else happens, happens. Which yeah. since I win when this game, you're in the conference championship game. If you're Cincy, lose it, SMU is still alive yeah that's a whole other storyline you could get into if you felt like it but uh it is yeah you know it'll be interesting uh moving on to the four o'clock games i want to s- i think i'm going to start with where i want to start yeah that's obviously just do it the civil conflict yes yeah. here we go you oh we can of, call yeah. that
0: the civil conflict but we can't call well, it's the fake. civil war game
1: oh well, it's fake <laughs> no Soon um, we're not
0: going to be able to say no any the, words. the civil
1: war change was silly uh but it is what it is. The civil conflict is not a real thing. It's a fake okay. game. It's my favorite fake thing in the world. Uh, <laughs> no, I actually was just writing an article before we started recording about the civil conflict game and like, kind of in the past I've done histories of it. This is yeah. This is partially a history, partially a hey, but why not just let it be a thing because it's fun kind of thing. Yeah,
0: I'm but, excited to read that because I liked your description of it in the review podcast that we talked about. Yeah. I learned yeah. a
1: lot so and you know the thing is like it is stupid like mm-hmm. the whole civil conflict rivalry thing because it was made up by a coach who said i'm just trying to start a rivalry though it kind of in his defense made sense at the time because like uconn was out on an island it didn't have rivals in the conference anymore once syracuse and pitt and all those teams left yeah the different conferences so creating a rivalry someone made sense to like get fans involved Uh, Mm -hmm. he just did it such a silly way where he never contacted anyone at UCF. He made the trophy himself. That's awesome. As soon as he got fired, (laughs) the trophy disappeared entirely. Like no one knows where it is now. That's the greatest thing. Since 2016, no one knows where this trophy is. It's
0: like a Da Vinci code type. Dan, Dan Brown should write a book about this.
1: And yeah, it's easy to joke about, but like, how is this I'm not trophy, joking. How is this trophy any dumber than an iron skillet or the Floyd of Rosedale, yeah. or a milk crate, or any of the other dumb trophies out there? Those I'm glad you didn't to...
0: say the the, the axe. That
1: thank uh, you, The Bunyan's axe. I could have Stanford
0: Cal axe.
1: Oh, listen. <laughs> you okay? So my point is like. All these trophies are stupid. Most trophies are stupid <laughs> in this world. The jeweled shillelagh for the Notre Dame USC game. You're telling me that that's a handsome trophy. No, it's a silly looking walking stick with like emeralds in it. It's the silliest thing, <laughs> but like they've been around a long time. So they're accepted mm-hmm. as like tradition. This mm-hmm. was new. So it was stupid and dumb and had to be mocked. And like, of course I mocked the too, and I'm still going to mock it. Cause it's fun to mock, but like, College football is about having fun, and the civil conflict is stupid and fun, and that's all that matters. And I think that we should embrace it a little bit more. Uh, I agree with you. Absolutely. As for the game itself. Yes. UConn is so bad. <laughs> yes. They lost to UMass. There's really
0: nothing to say about
1: I, this. I watched them live lose to UMass this year. Yeah. That's they, right. This is a million-dollar pay game, by the way. Because I looked that up earlier today, million dollars. UCF's paying you kind of million dollars for this game, Uh, so that's fun. I believe Mikey King's still going to be the starter for UCF. Dylan Gabriel's back at practice this week. Highly doubt he plays in this game.
0: Yeah, there's no Uh, need. And if he does, then I have some questions for Gus Malzahn as to why we would do that.
1: Highly, highly doubt he plays this week. That's fair. Him him practicing is maybe for the Warren I four game two weeks from now maybe Mm -hmm. for a bowl game maybe just because he's good to practice again and they're gonna make sure he stays right maybe he doesn't even even if he's shut down for live contact this season just because he can throw again who knows but the point is he's practicing and that's good to know and exciting if you're a UCF fan tons of injuries for UCF it doesn't matter there's so much more talented than UConn it's not even funny they should blow him out UConn shouldn't score in this game
0: I don't really yeah I have literally no I wrote here like I have no discernible notes
1: other than just sit back and I think it's much more interesting for this game the whole like the story of the civil conflict around it than rather the uh yeah the actual game itself because the game itself shouldn't be that interesting to watch
0: so my one question for you is this and this did come up you know when I was doing my research obviously this game is a gimme um for UCF, but are, is there any concern on your end as a UCF fan or UCF supporter that they look past it to their rival game? No. Okay,
1: because this is a rivalry game.
0: Okay, <laughs> to a to the even bigger in-state recruiting rivalry game. Is there? I mean, yeah, I feel I mean, like there's always a slim I understand,
1: chance. I understand yeah. that conceptually. Like, oh, do they look past UConn because they've got to play the real rival next week in USF?
0: At USF Um, too. Like not, it's not at home. So you have to, not that USF is a crazy environment. Oh, you're right. It is at home. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah, it is home.
1: If I'm not mistaken, there's a very, this is for next week's show, but because UCF's moving to the Big 12 and they don't have any games scheduled for because their out-of-conferences are full for a few years after that. Mm-hmm. The, game, the games, USF, UCF, is going to be shut down for at least a few years before they can oh, get Oh, so going this could again. be the last one for a while. Last, this could be the last home game for UCF and the Warren I-4 for a few years at the very least. Wow. I'm sure they'll try to get it going again, but just because, you know, teams schedules so far in advance for out-of-conference, I don't think they'll yeah. have no space for a few years to fill it in. Uh of course things changed people buy out contracts move games around because they want to do stuff like that so who knows yeah but as of right now this will be the last Warren i4 game at ucf bounce house for a few years at least and uh next year will be the last at raymond james for a while uh anyways uconn ucf it'll be you know i'll watch it because i'm gonna watch it it shouldn't be close it shouldn't be close it shouldn't be close. I don't really think there's much actual analysis that needs to be done for the game because we all know what UConn is. You know, Stay healthy. Win big.
0: Yeah, exactly. Don't do not do anything that's going to hurt. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of my biggest
1: Yeah. yeah we want to be watching Parker Navarro by the third quarter.
0: Yeah, there you go. That's the plan. So you're taking UCF, I'm guessing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Same. All right. all right. One last game.
1: Also at 4 o'clock temple at Tulsa nearly talked about them before UConn, UCF just to get them in there but no I think ending with your owls is the right way to do it
0: I honestly am going to go ahead and tell you that I think I might pick temple
1: Ooh. because so why you shouldn't.
0: <laughs> I know why I shouldn't but I'll tell you the fact that they played Tulane now obviously Tulane is a better team I think
1: are you mixing up Tulsa and temple no, Tulsa, Tulsa, Oh, okay. You, I thought you said temple that. No, because Tulsa
0: just played Tulane. Okay. Yes. And yes. beat them, you know, in a, they needed so much to beat them. I'm saying gotcha. it was a I got my. I,
1: no, I got my no, team. teams te- Yeah,
0: Yeah. But because that game was so close and, and they, they let Tulane in there and Tulane is not a, is a good team, but not playing well this year. Right. Mm-hmm. So I if you do that. the math on that, Why can't Temple also keep it close and force Tulsa win in overtime?
1: The game is at Tulsa. Tulsa is four and six, which means they're playing for both eligibility they have something to play for temple doesn't and temple yeah, hasn't and temple, been playing like temple they, temple, like has been, temple has been a walkover for well over a month <laughs> now they, they haven't been playing like they've had anything to play for most of this conference schedule. like basically since the memphis game they've played like they've got nothing to play for so with tulsa legitimately having something to play for and temple not i don't see a world where temple makes this extremely long trip to go play at tulsa with any energy i mean I think it's a simple score before the fourth quarter because <laughs> <laughs> they haven't been doing so that in the last mean. month. Well, they haven't done it for a month. Why should I expect them to now?
0: Yeah. Well, like, neither team is a high scoring team. So
1: no. I, and I, I think spent a the... lot of time talking about my Tulsa issues yeah
0: well we don't have to get into it too much but i'm saying i take the under in this game also as a little note by the way but i feel like this is the one game where there might just be one of those random like crazy games that we have in the ac sometimes like what if temple shows up and somehow puts it together for some reason we don't understand Mm -hmm. and gives tulsa a game
1: how many people do you think are going to watch this game
0: I might watch it because I have this feeling in US my gut. Plus game. I I have ESPN Plus. Right? Okay,
1: I know you do. I'm not saying you don't. But I'm saying like I'm just saying. If if Temple uh. and Tulsa play a football game and no one watches it, did it really, <laughs> happen? It yeah, really happen? That's what I was trying to get at here. Uh, man,
0: there's not a lot to say. Okay, but I'm telling no, you, I have I have this weird gut feeling, and I get these sometimes. It's not very often, but I sometimes get these like feelings where. I feel like something weird is going to happen. That's all I'm saying.
1: And so. can I ask you a question? Yeah. Did you have a weird gut feeling about Tulane for like the first no, nine weeks of the season?
0: I did not. I have not had a good feeling or any feeling about Tulane all year. Okay. But I did have the gut feeling two years ago when I was there for the Houston Tulane game and they, they beat them in that last second play. I did game. have a gut feeling then. So yeah. I trust my gut for the most part. It's obviously been hard this year with all of the craziness, but I'm just telling you, those people listening, I have this feeling this game might be kind of weird, and I think I might pick Temple just because we've been we picked all the same teams this week. So it was
1: a pretty scratch week for the most part.
0: Yeah, well, I'm picking yeah. Temple.
1: All right, well, this is how I got my lead in their picks to begin <laughs> no, with. <laughs> I got to
0: do something. <laughs>
1: I don't that's know. Tulsa I mean,
0: battle for I our say, soul here.
1: To me, Tulsa is a team that has something to play for is a m- more talented team, though. Not one without flaws.
0: What if they have a game like home. they had in the beginning of the year?
1: against can UC Davis when they lost yeah. UC Davis. And that's part of why I don't trust Tulsa week to week. Of course it exactly. could happen.
0: Of course it could. So why not? Like we can't sit here and say with a hundred percent certainty that they go out and win a clean game. I'm because going to, you just can't. Oh,
1: I didn't say clean. I said they'd win. <laughs>
0: That they win it, hundred I cannot say a hundred percent that they win this game. I just can't because I don't trust them. The AAC has been a little bit crazy.
1: No, I mean, 99. there's no nine
0: point nine percent sure, but there's no,
1: there's no reason to trust them. But that's not the point.
0: Yeah, if I don't trust them, I can't pick them. That's what
1: I'm saying. No. Next week, when they're playing, like who would they play next week? Either Mem- next SMU, week? I think. I think it's SMU next week.
0: Tulsa. Who do you no? I th- oh yeah, I thought it was I thought they ended with Tulane I think
1: I think I look up the Tulsa schedule. It's every SMU. So well they're definitely you...
0: not beating SMU at SMU. Okay, so
1: my my question is in your like world of chaos, do they win mm-hmm. lose this week but win next week?
0: No, I think they lose this week and then lose next week and that's it.
1: So they go that's that's
0: what they that's what they deserve.
1: They're going five and seven. Oh boy. All right. We'll see. <laughs> And, and I'm just saying they've got something to play for against a really I bad understand. team that has. And this is just as much Temple not showing any life in the past month yeah. as Tulsa has issues too. But like, I just don't see why Temple would start showing life.
0: It doesn't always make sense, Dan. That's what I'll tell you. It just doesn't always make sense. Okay. But enough. it happens. So we'll see. That's one I'm definitely going to, I just have this feeling I'm going to watch it. So.
1: Fair enough. All right. So we we were talking a little bit earlier about how you are going to have a busy December regular season, but you're traveling this week too, right? Where are you headed?
0: I am heading to coastal Carolina for the first time. I'm so excited. It's been on my bucket list for a while. I've gotten very close to the program. I had CJ shrimp there. Um, long snapper. He has been on my podcast. He's an incredible human being and he had some incredible stories. So that's worth Mm -hmm. checking out. But I've been working with their offensive coordinator, Willie Korn, on some things. Um going to take a limo ride with Teddy Gallagher and Silas Kelly. And it's going to be wild. Plus, we're bringing Joey Chestnut with us. So it's about to get real wild in Conway, South Carolina.
1: That's awesome. I mean, the Sunbelt people are going to just be live it Oh, live it exce-
0: well, I'll tell you this, the Coastal Carolina, ever since we announced that we're going and we've been working on this with them, um, I've had people from the school reach out to me and I've had their DJ that does their tailgates reach out. I've had um, a guy literally just texted me who's in their development. Um, Chanticleer, the Chanticleer Athletic Foundation, shout out Vinny. Everybody's been reaching out saying, we'd love to take you on a tour. You should do this and that. And I can't even tell you the hospitality level. I've never experienced it like, you know, it's incredible. So we're really excited to to dive into the culture. And Joey's got an eating competition Friday night at a local spot in Conway. And we'll go out and see if you can catch us around town, have a beer. And
1: not far from the beach.
0: It's only 20, 25 minutes from Myrtle, so we'll we'll hopefully try and get out there. Um, I know Kim is yeah. flying out of Myrtle Beach Sunday, so
1: I actually don't know what the weather in South Carolina is like this time of year. Yeah, because it's, like, it's
0: cold. It's because not... that,
1: that's the thing is like I've never like I've lived in Florida and I've lived in Massachusetts in my life, and like yeah. I know what Massachusetts is like this time of year, but Florida this time of year I could still very easily go to the beach without an issue. But South Carolina, I don't it's know. Somewhere about... in the it's somewhere yeah. in the middle. You know what I mean?
0: It's showing 62 and sunny on Saturday, so a little bit chilly but sunny. That's good for of
1: the beach, yeah.
0: Right. Well, I don't know that we'll be doing any beaching. It's more eating and drinking and okay. So it's saint, a work trip. Besides, it's, it's work, trip. but for it's Joey, an eating work, and it's, drinking work yeah, trip. Yeah, yeah. It's a little different when he works. So, but definitely stay tuned because we have very special stuff coming from Conway that we can't reveal right now. But Gotta stick, stick,
1: yeah. Just just root hard for the shots. That's all. Yeah,
0: please do. And and we'll follow along on social because that's where all this stuff will be going up. So. Yeah.
1: You know what's excited. my favorite thing about the Chanticleer team is that it comes what? from it comes from Chaucer of all places.
0: I know. I love that. the
1: Canterbury Tales. Like yeah. who thinks the name themselves after the Canterbury Tales. I
0: don't know. They're just the and like it's that's what part of what makes them so unique, you know, and and It is.
1: And they're I'm the be, You know what they are? They're the best chicken-based team in the state of South Carolina. There you go. Take that game. Beach
0: chickens. Love it. I'm going to buy so much gear when I'm there. (laughs) I usually pick up a hat everywhere I go. Like that's my thing is I will pick up a hat or something from like the team when I cover them the first time I'm buying all of the Chanticleer gear because it's my favorite color scheme.
1: Do you like the teal field?
0: So we had a conversation. I know you hate the blue field. I do. And you know, it's funny as I was in Colorado state two weeks ago when they were playing Boise state and I sat with their SID and I was like, you know, it must really drive you crazy that so many people hate on your field, but you've got the Chanticleers clears over here and other teams that have colored fields that just people love it. Mm-hmm. So I think because well, it's think teal,
1: certain teal is almost green in a way. So like it's almost it's to, the same. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. certain colors have different effects On people. Like the Eastern Michigan gray field, I right. have very mixed feelings about. Right. I, I can't personally stand the striped Central Arkansas purple and gray one. Someone
0: has a red field, like Eastern remember. Washington. Eastern yeah. Washington, that's it. Yeah.
1: Oh, and actually, Colorado gray.
0: State, Colorado State had different green.
1: The normal green. The so. different green. Yeah, fields, do the stripe thing. And he if pointed that out. Issue, and he's like, Julaine nobody changed hates from that. the striped greens. Oh, no. Don't. That's the issue. I figured it out. Look at me. <sighs> Program fixed.
0: There you go. You got <laughs> it. You got to
1: let him know. <laughs> All right. now, speaking of really bad fields, I saw someone tweeting about the St. Petersburg Bowl today. Do you remember that? At Tropicana Field, they used to play it?
0: No, I can't say that I'm up on my Florida bowl game
1: okay so it, it basically it became the Gasparilla bowl later but ah, like okay. uh, it was at the Trop for a few years There is the St. Petersburg bowl mm-hmm. and I don't know I, I don't know if we ever talked about are you a big baseball person
0: I worked in uh I worked in baseball for a while I worked for the Giants San Francisco Giants and for the St. Louis Cardinals so okay
1: so like but you know the Trop's got like the artificial uh, the really bad artificial turf. It's like I've heard that. A, I've never been,
0: but yeah.
1: Far and away the worst stadium in baseball. I hope Eric's listening. His race of an awful stadium. It's the worst. Oof. Oof.
0: Uh,
1: it's terrible, just like their fan base. So just throw it out there. <laughs> you know, go Red Sox. But Oh, boy.
0: I was not a part of that, by the way.
1: <laughs> no, I want Eric to hear that. If anyone else, I know. I want him to damage. hear it from you. If anyone <laughs> else collateral damage, their collateral damage. Great. Um, no. <laughs> but basically for the St. Petersburg bowl, they obviously removed the infield and added more of the turf and created this really awful, like two or three tone green, but it wasn't like patterned. It was just in places. It looks like, you know, it looks like a uh, carpet that had been rubbed in some spots, but not others. It was just awful. (laughs) And like the lighting's weird because it's a bad dome and everything is gray in the background. It was just the worst. And you know, you know, and yeah. that's my story about the St. Petersburg Bowl is how terrible propaganda Field is. <laughs> that's all I have for what, it. what a
0: great way to end the podcast. Which, which at awesome. least it,
1: it wasn't meandering or anything like that. No, um, you did good. I did do good. Wait, I remember something. Before the show, we had talked about how I was going to easily transition us into talking about David Schott Stanford because you had something to say. Uh, and this is my clean, smooth transition into that. Oh, boy. Love it.
0: Uh, okay, we'll end the show like this. So obviously the coaching carousel has been turning over quickly this year. Stanford has struggled. Now, I want to preface that by saying that the Stanford team that started this season is not as bad as the team that you're seeing now. So for everybody that wants to hate on Oregon for losing to them, that was a very different team. They had a healthy Tanner McKee. They had a full slate of receivers minus Michael Wilson for him to throw to. Um, The injuries were insane. Oregon was without Joe Moorhead, their offensive coordinator that game. Uh, Thibodeau did not play well, was limited.
1: He was coming off an ankle injury at that point. Yeah,
0: I'm saying that is a different, everyone wants to hate on them. But if you play Stanford when they're playing well, they're a very physical, tough team to beat, especially on the road. So I don't think you give Oregon any grief for that. Okay, But after that game, Stanford went into a tailspin because they lost pretty much everybody to injury. So they lost ASU, Washington state, Washington, Utah, Oregon state this past weekend. They have two games left on the calendar Cal, which is a huge Bay area rivalry game, a must-win the Band is game. out
1: on the field game.
0: Yes. It's my dad was there for that. When the band stormed on the field, it was an incredible, incredible moment. Uh, and then they have Notre Dame at the end of the year at home, both games at home, another rivalry game for them. Is it conceivable Stanford wins any more games? No, I don't think they win any more games. Okay. So that means that Stanford finishes three and nine. A three and nine Stanford team after last season winning four games in the pandemic, which was actually a good record. I think they were four and two. Yeah, Whatever. I think
1: the only got six off.
0: Right. But, okay. But then the year before, four wins. So how many years do we give David Shaw who has every resource available for him and was given a very clear guideline by um, Jim Harbaugh with all he had to do to make the program successful. At what point does his leash run out? That's the biggest question going on.
1: I, obviously you're, a lot mm-hmm. closer to it you've got stanford ties personally you've got yeah. you're out there in the uh, you're in the bay area right mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so you're not you're a lot closer to it than i am i am someone who watches stanford maybe twice a season once when they play notre dame and right. once if they've got a different game that interests me and happens to be on you know what i mean mm-hmm. that's my connection yeah. to it i've always looked at stanford as kind of the pack 12 is vanderbilt where it's obviously academically minded And that gives challenges when you put yourself into this academic restriction of who you can Mm -hmm. recruit. And because the Pac-12 is a little bit more winnable than the SEC, they've got years where they're up a little bit closer than Vanderbilt ever could. But I've never thought of them as a program where it's realistic to be sustainable. It is. It
0: is sustainable. but I will the, tell I've you. Never
1: felt that way. I, and that, I, I am sorry just, that
0: you that you don't feel that way. And I think it has to again, do with the fact the that you don't football. watch it, right? Well, yeah,
1: I'm looking at it with a 10 foot pole.
0: Of course, but it is sustainable. Jim Harbaugh figured it out, and they were they won for years with him. I mean, think of all the players that went there: Andrew Luck, Christian I McCaffrey. Guess, you know, I guess um, thought is,
1: was it? just jim harbaugh who could win there or is it sustainable through multiple coaches it can be I don't if it's the
0: right coach but... i
1: don't necessarily think notre dame's sustainable in the modern game like i think that brian kelly is an excellent coach who doesn't get mm-hmm. his due and that's why notre dame's really good right now but i don't know that in the 21st century notre dame's sustainable with their model either you know no, I
0: mean? it, it is, but you have to – what Jim Harbaugh implemented was a quarterback, right, that's competent and, and vi- has vision, can call his own plays. That's something that you need. And they've had that over the years, not just Andrew Luck. They've had other quarterbacks, KJ Costello. Um, You know, Tavita Pritchard was there prior. I mean, they've had guys that can play quarterback. They need a tunnel workers union. Harbaugh placed a lot of emphasis on blue-collar guys in the trenches, and that was something they recruited not just – um, it was called intellectual brutality. So these guys were smart, but they were also just hard workers. Shane Scoves of the world, Blake Martinez, you know, um, mm-hmm. David DeCastro, Josh Garnett before he, you know, fell off the map. But they're good, tough players like that are not that hard to find if you recruit the right kind of people. But David Shaw can't recruit those guys mm-hmm. because he is not a player's coach. Okay. And 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 that has been figured out by now. Mm-hmm. there's so many things wrong with the program. I I can't even get into it on the end of this podcast, but there needs to be a change. But the problem is that they will not get rid of David Shaw because Bernard Muir, the athletic director will not fire him. So at this point, the alumni and the board are looking to replace Muir because that is the only way they're going to get him out. Unless Shaw leaves for the NFL. Now the Raiders job is open. Please. (laughs) Please, God, go to the Raiders.
1: So, I'm not going to say the Raiders are a very well run organization <laughs> is they're not. But why would the Raiders hire David Shaw? That doesn't make sense to me either. I don't.
0: What do they do that does make sense? You know that if you get David Shaw after the PR nightmare that they've had, okay. It's been
1: a really bad season for yeah. that stuff. Like- David
0: Shaw is a, is a safe, clean bet because he is a. Figurehead. Yeah, yeah but like he will do...
1: Las Vegas Strip, and all of a sudden, it's just no. Swag swagshaw.
0: It's no. He just has... No, <laughs> no, it has none of that. And I can tell you that confidently. He is a guy that you can hire and will do exactly what you want him to do. No questions asked. And he will be a figurehead. That's what he does at Stanford. He's a figurehead for the school. Multiple players have come to him with concerns. And he, you know what he said to them? You're lucky. This is Stanford. You're lucky to be here. Yeah. So I see, I could see a a team hiring him because he's a safe choice and, you know, it's a diverse, it's also a diversity hire. You get another African-American coach in the league, which is what they, we want more coaches of color, which is good. Um, And the Raiders have a history of doing that. So I see a lot of reasons why why it would make sense like not make sense, but why they would do it.
1: All right. So then that would open up Stanford, which again, mm, if you're oh gonna God. do who <laughs> do you think I'm gonna say? Who do you think I'm gonna say? I
0: don't know, but I don't know. I don't okay,
1: know. so you're looking if you Put a lot of emphasis on diversity higher, which I'm fine oh. with. I do believe that having more minority coaches is a well, good thing. Well, I think thing. that's because it's representative. It's, be, it's representative yeah. of the base of players more so. Of course. Than, and I think that's a very good thing. Obviously, you hire the best person for the job, but yes, I don't think I think hiring you know someone of color who's the best person for the job is a great thing. It is. Uh,
0: I don't I know that you they'll want look someone for who can that work
1: California very well, and has already been recruiting mm. at the same level of academic minded schools like Stanford and Notre Dame. I think mm. you have to hire a guy with Pac-12 experience. Actual mm-hmm. head coaching experience Jimmy mm-hmm. Lake no they would never, <laughs> no, and Come I'm on, telling you the reason boxes the reason
0: they're off. getting rid of if they get rid of Bernard that then that frees them up away from the diversity Bernard is also African-American and he you know has he, yeah, I, he mean,
1: inv- I, I don't like the word diversity hire to be honest because it implies that it. someone isn't getting a job based on I merit I don't know that, how
0: else to say it without being you know well, I don't know is, how to say it
1: and I don't want to get too deep into this because I know I'm not the right person to talk about it. Like, I just, I know I'm not like, but it is important that the groups who of players who are playing, which is majority minority uh, is represented better by coaches. That is incredibly important. I also agree that you can't hire someone who doesn't have the, Exact qualifications to do that. Now, the actual issue there to me is there's not enough coordinators who are minorities calling plays because that's Mm -hmm. a huge step to getting to be a head coach in the first place is having that on your resume. So you have to really look there as to what the at least part of the issue is is getting getting to the point where you're qualified is more difficult for people of certain groups. and I don't like the term diversity hire because it implies that someone only got the job for that reason. David Shaw didn't only get the job because he's a black man. He got the no. job because he was qualified for it. And he you got the I
0: mean? job because he was in Jim Harbaugh's reg- regime exactly. and then was promoted he, he, from within.
1: He was qualified. But he was, never,
0: he was qualified, but he was never vetted. Jimmy at and- like
1: Washington pulled a coup, but he looked qualified from the outside looking in you know what I mean he did
0: he did Uh, he seemed like a good hire but that's the thing with these guys and I say these guys as coach as head coaches sometimes you're not getting the full picture and with David Shaw he seemed like one thing and when he got the reins he changed into something else to to keep his job safe and became not he did. He does not look out for the best interests of his players, in my mm-hmm. opinion. From what I've been told from multiple former players, and to me, and that's, I don't that's care an what issue and
1: tone, right? When you comes to exactly. recruiting and everything,
0: you need to be transform. that guy. I don't care what nationality you are. I don't care where you're from. But you have to look out for these guys. That is your job to to coach these young men and turn them into great people and foster and and have them go through life. You know what I mean? Like you're supposed to lead them. I don't feel like David Shaw leads them and I'm not sure who that next person should be, but something has got to give because Stanford cannot be going three and nine. They cannot. With the resources that they have and I the mean, pool they can it just I can't.
1: I can't do but it. But the whole pack full is a mess right now too. Yeah. Yes, to, that's
0: fair. USC. But can't this can't has go been a problem six, for a while. You know what I mean, this has been a problem back to Christian McCaffrey. Okay. So this has been in the works being an issue for a while. Same reason the strength coach got fired or let go. I mean, that's a whole nother story, but there's a lot of things that have been going on under the surface. And now the cracks are starting to show and people are realizing, okay, the David Shaw that we see on NFL network during the draft and the David Shaw we see here, this is not the guy that, that that he is.
1: Can I ask you a very, I don't know anything about Stanford question real quick. Is the current athletic director the same one who was there for the Varsity Blue scandal, where they had to like let go of a bunch of like the sailing coaches and stuff like yes. that? Yes. Same he athletic was director. Yes. See, that's surprising to me that he survived that.
0: Right. He was even portrayed in that video in the documentary like doc, they made. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's what I was trying to get at. It was like, I don't know yeah. if it's the same guy or not, but like I know USC had to like clear house after that. Yeah.
0: Well, so and that's Stanford part of why Clay Hilton
1: hung on, was because they wanted right. some stability somewhere.
0: And he and and honestly, it's because I think it's because it didn't touch Stanford in its entirety, like as much as USC. Like it was very minimal with where it impacted, and I think he that kept him safe. But mm-hmm. no, th- we're talking about the Brock Turner era. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're talking about yeah. Yeah. all of these things that happened. I mean, they cut so many th- during his tenure. Oh, yeah. They, cut, they cut a ton of
1: sports because. Yeah, but
0: you know. yet David Shaw's making nine million dollars a year. Okay.
1: See, I thought no. they didn't want anyone to know how much he was making. I thought that was pretty. Oh, it came privileged. out. It came I was, out. I I thought the private school privilege on that. Usually, I've, but you, I've often you, wondered what like Brian Kelly makes and yeah, Notre Dame well, because it could be any number and I believe it.
0: You cannot cut that many sports and then pay your head coach $9 million to win three games. Like you just can't.
1: No, I agree with that.
0: And Stanford I... has a long winning, you know, the the cup where they win all in all, all championships in all of their sports. Um, it's I just, mm-hmm. it's a mess. It's a mess. And people are upset and there will be change. So definitely something to watch as we move forward. Um it's just frustrating as someone who has known a lot of players that played there. My dad played baseball there. Like I've been close to the program a long time and seeing it go this way is frustrating.
1: I get that. I completely get that. And now we get my UMass rant.
0: Oh yeah.
1: No, it's okay. I don't have a UMass rant for today. (laughs) Not today. (laughs) I don't have it in me. I, I don't. And you know why I don't have it in me? Because I have just accepted that they're not going to get any coach that I want them to get. So it's fine. I'm glad I've accepted that gonna, is the final step. They're not so. going to make it into conference USA as a football only member. I've accepted that it's fine. Oh, Moving on. There you go. I refuse to accept that they should move down to FCS, though.
0: I have to shout out the um, before we finish up here. The East Carolinian uh, online did an article about the you know Navy Pirate uh, ECU game coming up, and the title of the article. Mm-hmm. Pirate football aims to sink navy. Okay,
1: there's a lot of fun to be had with navy. When Tulane plays <laughs> them, there's a lot of wave fun to be had
0: with the wave. And
1: yeah, the...
0: I just thought that was funny, yeah. so I had to. Absolutely. I had
1: to shout it out. Go read the article uh yeah i think that's everything i've got this week yeah do you have anything special
0: no that's the long it's a long podcast sorry but hope you enjoyed it and we
1: gotta allow pac-12 because pac-12 is group of five in the spirit it
0: is it's not represented spiritually
1: group of five uh and you know unfilled talent wise group of five zinger Woo, got him. You can find me at Dan underscore Morrison96 on Twitter.
0: You can find me at MLM, e-m-i-l-n-e-m on Twitter and Instagram.
1: All right. Like you said, a little bit of a long one, but we're all set now and we're off.
0: Yeah, we'll see you next week.